0: This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now,
1: here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am back from a four day vacation. I went to Hawaii. I live in Hawaii, so I went four miles from my house to a resort. I had some friends. They had a timeshare they couldn't use, and so they said, "Use your family want to go on a staycation? So we were at a resort with 5,000 rooms, and there were 27 people, three families on this huge resort right on the beach in Hawaii, just a couple miles from my house. I'm back. The purpose of the vacation staycation was to relax, but, of course, like you, I was my eyes were I couldn't turn away from the, the news as much as I wanted to, as much as I resolved to. It was just so heartbreaking, and you wanted it to stop, and you just kept watching, hoping, okay, it's going to stop. And in the midst of all of that, I saw Wilton Gregory, the Archbishop of Washington, D.C., a man who I have utterly no respect for, for reasons that will be made clear in this podcast, uh, had to come out in virtue signal in a way that was the most disgusting, and I resolved, I'm going to write an article on this, and before I could get to it, my writing partner, John Zmirak, already had an article that just dropped at the stream today. So I had, I'm having John on right now to talk about this, to talk about the tre- his article is The Treason of the Clergy, Woke Prelates Begging for Headpats from Arsonists and Looters. And, um, yeah, that's about it. We're being led by victimists. We're being led by people who feign concern for the vulnerable because of A, fear of reprisals, probably. B, they're thoughtless and loveless. And C, feigning concern for the vulnerable and standing with the mob is a good way to maintain or gain power, wealth, and influence in society. And I think that's what concerns our our bishops now more than thoughtfully standing with the vulnerable, thoughtfully standing with the people who are having rocks, thrown at their heads. This episode is being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, truly striving to truly stand in solidarity with the vulnerable, no matter what the cost. Standing with the vulnerable when they're vulnerable, go to our website, thegreatcampaign.org, and for a donation of $20 or more, you get a free copy of my book with John Smirak, The Race to Save Our Century, where we lay out how the 21st century is heading towards uh, calamity and will be more violent and tragic than the 20th, and what we can do to stop that. Now, $20 is what it cost us to get the book to you, for the book, the packaging, and the shipping. Any donation you do more than that really helps us with our mission, so $20, if you can do more, do more. Here we go. John Smirak from stream.org, it's The Jason Jones Show. John Smirak, welcome to The Jason Jones Show. Thanks, Jason. Great to talk to you. So, Rene Girard said that the apocalypse happens when the last Christian becomes a victimist. And after reading your article, I'm glad he said when the last Christian becomes a victimist and not when the last member of the Catholic hierarchy becomes a victimist, because if that were the case... Let's
0: unpack unpack victimists, okay? Okay, all right. Uh, A victimist is someone who takes the structure of Christianity. where an innocent victim... It's scapegoated and killed, uh, which is meant to expose the evil of the scapegoating mechanism. That's when people who are hungry for power look at that and say, oh, okay, you can't get away with doing scapegoats anymore. What you have to do is find people and accuse them of being scapegoaters, and then, then you can persecute them. In other words, you look for people who historically are disadvantaged maybe mostly in the past, and you make them into your banner, and you use them as a pretext for gaining political power and persecuting the people you can blame because their grandparents maybe had excessive power or wealth compared to, compared to everybody else. So we can use slavery to excuse smashing store windows in white neighborhoods and taking couture dresses and putting them in the back of our expensive cars and driving away.
1: Yeah, a twenty-two-year-old kid with a three-hundred-dollar skateboard can shatter the window of a surf store and steal a surfboard. You know, that's right. That's I think right. a good rule of thumb to know you're a, a, not a victimist or or a victimist is to ask yourself: Is this going to take courage? Is this dangerous? Right. So when Candace Owens comes out with her statements uh, condemning the uh, riots, the anarch, the anarchy, the chaos, that takes she's. That takes very. That takes a lot of courage, right, to stand with those shop owners, to stand with the vulnerable. And let's talk about what does take. Okay. Yeah. Let's
0: talk about what 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 doesn't take courage. What doesn't take courage? Uh, Wilton Gregory, the Catholic Archbishop of Washington, the head of the Catholic Church in the United States, uh, his disgraceful performance recently. let's remember events. a mob attacked a historic Episcopal church St. John's in DC where James Madison dozens of other presidents had prayed. Donald Trump decided to walk over there, take a look at it and show solidarity with with the church and with religious liberty. A few days a few days later, he was already scheduled to appear at the John Paul II shrine to talk about religious liberty and protecting persecuted Christians in the Middle East and China and Africa. That was scheduled months ago, okay? He decides to go over to St. John's a mob of, of, of protesters slash rioters are still on the street, even though they're violating curfew. The park police tell them to disperse. They refuse to disperse. The president of the United States movements are being held hostage by a disorderly mob that's violating the law. The park police fire a few smoke bombs. The people run away. Trump walks over there, takes a picture, holds up a Bible, makes a statement that a... a the media goes wild. They pretend that the park police used tear gas to attack nonviolent protesters. These people were already breaking the law. Imagine the March for Life barged into the Supreme Court, passed the security, and, and, and started swarming the court chambers. They would be removed by the police for breaking the law. Protesters, just because you're under the First Amendment doesn't mean everything you do is suddenly protective of the Constitution. You know, you can't go take somebody's taxi cab. You can't go stealing food from a Korean grocer and say, it's the First Amendment. while well, you stuff chicken wings in your mouth. No. Okay, so Trump then makes his scheduled appearance at the John Paul II shrine to talk about religious freedom and pray there with his wife Melania. Wilton Gregory. And the whole big gay Catholic left-wing machine go insane. Wilm Gregory writes this stinging letter to the, to the National Shrine, which is under his authority because it's part of his archdiocese. So this is like the boss reprimanding an underling. And he, he calls it baffling and reprehensible that any Catholic facility would allow itself to be so egregiously misused and manipulated. For what? Trump had planned this visit months before.
1: Yeah, for what? For for going to speak about the plight of the most vulnerable people in the world, the Christians in Iraq and Syria and China?
0: Right. That's offensive to the looters on Fifth Avenue.
1: By the way, something our church hasn't done. When I was in Iraq, a Chaldean priest with tears in his eyes asked me where the church was in the West and why our pope was beaming images of wild animals on St. Peter's and not the pictures of his children who were suffering because of ISIS, yeah. and here a president who That's destroyed right. ISIS, destroyed ISIS, uh, protected the church, moved U.S. troops several times specifically to defend vulnerable ethnic and religious minorities in Iraq, from ISIS and from Turkey. Right, it, right. The but fact you know, that he would take a picture with the Bible is absolutely offensive to them.
0: Now, in my, I have a new article at stream.org. The Treason of the Clergy. Please take a look at it. And in it, I have a picture of Bill Clinton holding a Bible in front of the same church, St. John's in Washington. What was Bill Clinton allegedly deflecting from? Well, he had just they had just found the dress from Monica Lewinsky. So, when Bill Clinton holds up a Bible to distract from his adulterous exploitation of an underage intern. Nobody complains. When Donald Trump does it to show solidarity with a historic church that almost got burned to the ground by rioters, suddenly he's politicizing the Bible and cheapening Christianity. It is just staggering to me. So in my piece at stream.org, I go through Archbishop Wilton Gregory's track record. He was the protege of Theodore McCarrick, the child molester who was running the church in Washington until a few years ago. He colluded with with McCarrick in 2002 to exempt bishops like McCarrick from any church penalties for being child molesters themselves or for hiding and covering up child molesters and sending them all over the country to keep them away from police. Uh, Another ally and mentor of of, uh, Bishop Gregory was Cardinal Whirl of Washington. He is famous for Covering up for a priest named George Zirwa, who used to make sadistic child pornography inside the rectory. George World, uh, Donald World never reported into the police. He gave him a lifetime pension as hush money, and when he died, he gave him a hero's funeral. These are the kind of men who presume to judge our president unfut, unfit to set foot on holy ground.
1: Well, and for Wilton Gregory to say he didn't know what McCarrick was up to, in 2002, when I was living and working in D.C. and not a Catholic, I would hang out at Irish bars with a lot of my Catholic friends who worked for the church. And honestly, half the conversations were around McCarrick's predatory behavior. And it was common knowledge. So if it was common knowledge for everyone that worked at the USCCB that was 23 years old and just graduated from Steubenville, I, I find it hard to believe that Wilton Gregory, none of this made it to him. None of this made it to him. But that's well, what, what victimists do, right? They've Gre- been concerned for the vulnerable for power. And, and I guess power is important if you're a part of a predatory child molesting cabal.
0: Power is important and money is important. And I've figured out how Donald Trump can help purify the Catholic Church, which is our church, and protect children from exploitation and abuse at the hands of priests who will be hidden, still have been hidden for the last 20 years by the USCCB. The USCCB is an empire, a financial empire, that employs tons of left-wing activists who are allegedly Catholic, working for Catholic charities, um, all sorts of relief agencies that get 40% of their money from the federal government. So basically, the Catholic Church is mostly a federal contractor, and that's where it gets much of it, 40% of its revenues. If you're a federal contractor and you're shuffling pedophiles, you need to have a RICO case done by the Justice Department to look into whether or not you are, in fact, using federal money to pay off witnesses, to pay off victims. If the Department of Justice launched a RICO suit against the U.S. Catholic bishops, they would immediately lose eligibility for all those fat contracts for serving immigrants and poor people. So at that point, if if Trump or Bill Barr, I guess, were to launch that investigation after the election, obviously, um, the Catholic left would collapse. It would go bankrupt. Suddenly the bishops would have to rely on the donations – of people going to mass. Maybe they would reopen the churches. Maybe they would stop shuffling pedophiles from one city to another or paying off the gay boyfriends of archbishops to keep them silent. I think the best thing Trump could do would be to protect children from abuse by making the bishops ineligible for federal contracts. It would destroy the Catholic left, which is siding with the rioters. And I think it would make Trump happy given this, this, this appalling insult that that political hack Wilton Gregory just committed against him for no reason whatsoever.
1: Yeah, and I don't, you know, in all of my 30 years in doing work uh, in and around vulnerable communities, I have never in a a positive way bumped into anything the USCCB was doing. Never when we were opposing the invasion of Iraq, never when we were begging not to leave Iraq, never when the US drone program was running amok, never when I'm working with vulnerable, homeless populations like I do in Hawaii. I see the Knights of Columbus money. I see Catholic Family Foundations money. I've never seen the U.S. When I have bumped into the U.S. CCB is when I'm lobbying on Capitol Hill on important life issues and I'm told by elected officials and their staff, well, but the U.S. CCB said this isn't really a priority right now. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, abortion is never a priority because the U.S. bishops cash a check every time an illegal immigrant sneaks into America and, and gets federal programs. They don't cash a check when a woman chooses life. Yeah, and if you we know, could find uh, a way to, mon- and, and, to monetize saving babies, then maybe the bishops would care about it.
1: Well, let's look at immigration as, as just another example of victimism. You and I have been writing together for over 10 years on immigration reform that begins with securing the border and a mandatory e-verification system that would guarantee that everyone working in this country has the same architecture of legal protections. But when you exactly. when you are an advocate for open borders, when you are an advocate, uh, when you oppose simple, easy to do e verification programs, what you're doing is condemning millions of people into an underground economy where they can be exploited. You and I,
0: you're also working on the side of the human traffickers.
1: That's a fact. A hundred percent fact. You're
0: helping. You're helping to smuggle. Latina girls of fourteen and fifteen, or boys of ten and eight, uh, into the sex industry, into the child pornography industry. Not just Latinos. What did your friend Ed-
1: John? Yeah. No, not just Latinos. Sir. When I was in Mexicali, speaking at a tent rally in around 2010, it was me, Eduardo Varestequi, Nick Nick Wojciak. The mayor took me out to dinner with my wife to a Chinese restaurant. She's Chinese, and he he said, you, "You know, do you notice how many Chinese people are in Mexicali?" He says, "We become a center." for trafficking Chinese girls into the United States to work in brothels. So, yeah, that's, and he said, how come you, I never hear He asked me, how come I never hear that in the news about how Asian, Asians are being uh, trafficked across into the sex industry in America. It's always about Mexicans and never about Asians. That's what he wanted to know. Why don't I hear it? He says, there's Muslims that come through here, but it's always about Mexicans crossing the border. Yes, but he said, "Oh, but this human sex trafficking in my town, Mexicali is overwhelming. And so much so that I think he said, I don't know, I don't, you can check it. I, I, he said about 50% of their population was now Chinese. And he said it built all around Jason, trafficking into the United States.
0: Jason, this is what happens. Chaos in one area of life spreads to ca- and creates chaos in other areas of life. We've, we've had chaos in the bedroom since the sexual revolution. That led to chaos in the womb since Roe v. Wade. What came next? Chaos at the border which fuels the sex industry, did we really think the chaos would stop short of our shopping malls and Fifth Avenue and Rodeo Drive? Once you embrace disorder, once you say we're not going to protect the most vulnerable, we're not going to impose the rule of law, we're going to allow the strongest and the richest and the most heavily armed to to prevail because there's no force of law to control them. Eventually, that comes to bite you in the butt, doesn't it? And now people are seeing in their own cities what the Democrats' policy of an anarchy and anarcho-tyranny, an anarchy in the streets, but tyranny imposed on little micro details like you can't go swimming. You can go burn down. A neighborhood but if you go swimming or you go to church we're going to arrest you Karen over here has your name and your social security number and she'll be reporting you to the diversity police but you know if you want to burn down an entire neighborhood and destroy low-income housing and and Latino owned small businesses well that's different that's totally different that's okay
1: well and that goes back to the the problem of victimism and you once said that because so many Girardians themselves have become professional victimists it's horrifying and uh but if you don't develop the habit of standing with the vulnerable when they're vulnerable, you, it's a, you're a menace. So when you don't stand with the yep. child in the womb, you know you said this is biting us in the ass. It's not biting us. You know It's, it's biting those, those black police officers that are now dead and everyone in their community who loved them, every member of their yep. family, their children, their grandchildren, their spouse, all of those people have been hurt. The vulnerable people, even the vulnerable young people, who are 17 18 19 who are angry who are being having their emotions uh, inflamed and being manipulated out into the streets to commit crimes some of them now will have felonies on their record some of them may be injured or die um, these, these are, are young people
0: who are really these young people are really angry because their father was never around because the sexual revolution created anarchy in their homes so they go out and they create anarchy in the streets
1: yeah, no, you know, um, you know, you know. You read Tolkien uh, when you're down, and I read Plato. And I was rereading the, the Republic this week, and the best answer ever on what is justice, because they say this is all about justice. To me, the best answer ever given was by Socrates, as told to us by Plato. Justice is doing what it is yours to do. You have a child, you raise your child. You have a job, you do your job. Customers come in you're polite and respectful, you pay your taxes, you're an honest person, You, you jury duty, you get a request for jury duty, duty, you don't look for a way out of it, you do it. There's homeless in your neighborhood, you care for them. You have prisons in your community, you go do prison ministry. To me, justice is very simple. This idea of social justice is we're going to abdicate what it is mine to do and, and tell some opaque community something to do it's not even clear and this allows me to escape justice so i'm not going to pay down and my student al- loans it,
0: it also allows you to exert power that's the more important thing i mean what do these protesters want what exactly are their demands when the Symbionese liberation army kidnapped patty hurst their demands were clear okay and i in another column i wrote at stream.org i said the democrats strategy is to kidnap the american public and lock them down and starve them like patty Hearst until they join them okay so but at least they had to demand what are the demands of these protesters the guy who killed george floyd was arrested check is being prosecuted check so what exactly are we is is supposed to happen what are we supposed to do to get them to stop burning and looting our cities they don't say the goalposts just as the goalposts of the lockdown disappeared The goalposts for this have disappeared. It's the kind of chaos, roiling chaos, that Hannah Arendt described as at the essence of totalitarianism. In her book, The Origins of Totalitarianism, she said the embrace of mindless dynamism and constant change and chaotic aggression, that is the essence of totalitarianism.
1: And, and Vogelin said it was brought to us with mindless slogans, thoughtless slogans, re- relentlessly repeated, like, end hate, end hate. Yeah, well, you're not going to end hate. <laughs> utopia. We will stop doing acts of violence when utopia has arrived.
0: That's right. When unicorns are pooping rainbows on every street in America, then and only then will we stop burning Latino-owned businesses. It's It's just staggering, Jason. We are seeing... Scenes that remind me of 1789 in Paris and 1917 in St. Petersburg. And, I, and the Democrats are purposely creating chaos in their cities in the hope that Donald Trump will overreact, will send federal troops, and the Democrats are hoping, hoping against hope, that more young, innocent black people will die, that federal bullets will ricochet. That they will have another martyr and another martyr and another martyr that they can ride to win the election. John, we right saw on. they were willing to make up make up treason charges. We saw that what they were willing to do. That they will do anything to win.
1: Well, and, and people are going. That's exaggeration, John Smirk, Nobody wants that. Somebody's putting bricks, piles of palleted bricks, around all of the pro- protest slash riots across America. That's just and a and fact. And
0: gasoline. And gasoline, you know, accelerants to start fires.
1: Who's doing that? People have shot a police officer and CNN is not reporting it. Mostly peaceful riots. Mostly peaceful protests. And do you remember (laughs) how quick we forget when there was the original Antifa protests and there was the Occupy Wall Street movement? All of the rapes and murders that took place in the Occupy Wall Street camps. Women being raped. People being murdered by the participants in the Occupy Wall Street uh, itself. These people really don't care about the vulnerable. I expect children who, are from broken families and a broken education system, when they are young, to act foolish. But the point of your article is that we have a, a hierarchy that refuses to say anything brave ever, never to be right, never to show any courage ever. Never to stand on the heart of the... Do you remember when you and I were opposing the invasion of Iraq? The USCCB was apologizing, was defending it.
0: They, will, they are just adjuncts of the federal government. And I'm going to need to jump off and do the Steve Cortez show in a minute, Jason. But I just wanted to say, you know, the headline today could be Democrat cities getting torn apart and sold like black babies at Planned Parenthood, film at eleven. On None that- of these people cared cared about the life of the un- unborn black children. They didn't care about George Floyd. They care about power.
1: And that's it. Well, John, thank you for uh, making time to jump on my show thank today. You. I just got back from vacation and I read that article. Something I wanted to write. and I'm like, you beat me to it and it was much more hard hitting than I would have ever dared to be myself. So the stream.org should be the first place uh, you guys check every morning. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, stream.org. Thanks, John. Thank you. All right, guys. um, All right. right, You can drop off, John. Okay. All right, guys. uh, I mean, that sounds – does that sound like an exaggeration? I mean, here is the – it is clear as day. And I think Gerard hit the nail on the head with this, this idea that victimism, the apocalypse will come, which is what is the apocalypse – it's a war of all against all. It's an unleashing of horrible violence. And Gerard said the apocalypse will come when the last Christian becomes a victimist. And what does that mean? It means when the last person who is willing to stand side by side with the scapegoat and suffer whatever the scapegoat is suffering uh, out of Christian love, out of, a thoughtfulness to solidarity. By the way, there are a lot of people who aren't Christians that by God's grace exhibit amazing solidarity. Amazing, you know, there's so many people who you don't have to be a Christian to stand right next to the scapegoat. But I'm Christian, I'm Catholic. And so I agree with Gerard that we have to, through an act of the will, truly ask ourselves who is vulnerable and when we have a bishop, the Archbishop of Washington, D.C., virtue signaling, taking the MSNBC and CNN talking points, even if I agreed with them, which I do not, that it was this offensive, shameless photo op. Um, or I, how could we be upset with the president to keep his commitment to speak on the persecuted church in the midst of all of this? Who could be upset with that? I am upset with the fact that CNN, Fox News, the USCCB, they, they are professional victimists. You know, thank God for Tucker Carlson on, on Fox News. Uh, you know, there are very few people that have the courage to thoughtfully stand with the vulnerable. When we were invading Iraq, where was our clergy? In the midst of the sex abuse crisis, it took the Boston Globe to rip it wide open. Where was, where, was our, where, where was the hierarchy? When ISIS was running amok in Iraq, where was our church advocating for the vulnerable minorities that were abandoned by the premature leaving of Iraq? We shattered order. I didn't support shattering the order. I didn't support abandoning the chaos we left. Uh, But the church was silent, utterly silent. Now, you can Google around and find someone saying something somewhere. I mean, they did not fight for effect. When there were those advocating toppling Assad, when the Christians in Syria were like, when Assad gets pushed back, he might not be a great guy. He might be a dictator. But when he gets pushed back, the first thing that happens is we are liquidated. Even the head of the Israeli Defense Force said, if Assad falls, there will be 800,000 dead Christians and other minorities. Where was our church hierarchy when the hierarchy, the Catholic hierarchy, and the Christian, the Orthodox hierarchy in Syria was saying, "Please work with Assad to fight ISIS," but no, it was the exact opposite under Obama. Where where was our church? Where is our church on immigration? I am sick and tired of the victimism. Where is our church? Why aren't we advocating a secure border? so that it's not to shut down the traffickers and the sex traffickers, uh, to protect the vulnerable from being lured into a dangerous underground economy and be, being exploited? Where are our bishops in advocating for E-Verify to make sure that everyone working in this country is working legally? What does that mean? That means they have the same architecture of legal protection that you and I have, that we're not trapped in the underground economy. And by the way, I support a path to citizenship for people who are, have been working here in a dangerous underground economy because the deal is we, we lured them in here. We left the door wide open. They came here. We benefited. They benefited. Let's figure out something. After we've secured the border, after we've had E-Verify, I support the DREAM Act now. But I don't see the bishops never once doing anything courageous. Never once doing anything daring. And I believe the USCCB was founded uh, to encourage Catholics to support the Wo- World War I. Check it out. I think that was its first job. Uh, the, the unnecessary war, as Pat Buchanan calls it. One of the biggest tragedies in the history of mankind. Bishops were, were traipsing around the country defending the invasion of Iraq when it happened. And they weren't screaming when we left and that we weren't, we we didn't mobilize our church nationally in the midst of our co-religionist suffering genocide. So now, here it comes. A church that's been led by professional victimists for decades isn't saying anything of meaning in the midst of something that is heartbreaking. My sister runs a business in Chicago, and the Latin Kings are providing prote- a street gang is providing protection for my sister's business because the police can't. You know the Latin Kings reached out to her to make sure her business was okay? Uh I'm sure her bishop didn't. Now, how's this? We have our country falling apart. Our bishops are virtue signaling. They're telling the president how he should handle this dangerous situation with the, the c- catastrophe and chaos around the country, second-guessing him, when we still have no clear plan on how we're going to reopen the church and get people their sacraments. Uh-huh. I'm going to go back to what I said to John quoting Socrates. Justice is doing what it is yours to do. So, bishops, make sure the dying get the last rites and confession. Make sure we get all have Confession and can approach the Eucharist. How about that? How about the biggest tragedy this year, which is gonna be the famine, the coming famine? Mark my words. Why don't we as a church start to mobilize for food security? As the largest group Christians, group of Christians in the world, we need to mobilize as a community for food security to prevent famine. Why aren't we doing that? So I'm frustrated. I've been rambling too long. This has been uh, maybe more <laughs> a little angry than normal because I'm mad. I'm mad. But you know what? We as just regular people, we need to do the brave thing to stand in solidarity with the vulnerable. Who are Again, who are the vulnerable? These riots, I'm going to end on this. I've seen several police officers who were killed. Everyone I've seen who's dead is black, by the way. Where's the outrage on that? You know, I have Candace Owens, and there's been some heroes. The governor, I mean, the mayor of Atlanta, the mayor of Washington, D.C., Candace Owens, George's family. They, they have they've been beautiful and heroic, and I wish our bishops can follow the lead. So that's all. This episode has been brought to you by the vulnerable people project standing in solidarity with the vulnerable. And if you go there now, the for a donation of $20, you get a free copy of my book. Now, $20 is the cost of the book and, um, and the shipping. So if you want to do more, please do more. Uh, that helps us cover our cost, but for a donation of $20 or more, you get a free copy of the book and, uh, make sure you give us five stars, write a review till next time. It's the Jason Jones show.
0: This has been The Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media.